Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Educator Essentials, the podcast where we talk with our members about success stories, best practices, and strategies for faculty preceptors and those involved in the education of the pharmacy workforce. My name is Gina Galano-Luchin, and today we will be chatting with Drs. Annette Hayes and Christopher Schrieber about creating new postgraduate training opportunities by designing and implementing a PGY-1 program by utilizing multiple learning sites and health systems. Thank you for joining us today, both. Thank you for having us. So I was lucky enough to see both of your poster presentation at the ASHP National Pharmacy Preceptors Conference. And I thought that you had a really unique residency model by utilizing the academic site and multiple learning opportunities within your institution. So for those that weren't able to attend, uh, maybe we can start off by telling us a little bit about your school and what was the driving force behind creating a new residency program in the way that it's designed today. Chris, maybe you can start us off. A little bit about our campus, UIC College of Pharmacy in Rockford and the UIC College of Campus in Chicago are considered one college with two campuses. Our inaugural class was uh, first class was in 2010, and with our size, uh, which is a little bit smaller than the Chicago campus, we've always had a very excellent faculty-to-student ratio with our typically smaller class sizes. The education, the lectures, and everything else that goes to Chicago is the same as what the Rockford students are, give, are, are getting uh, in a live experience. So really, the only difference was between the two campuses, the fact that Chicago has had a long-standing, well-developed residency program. And seeing that the recent demand for postgraduate training and how that's increased, we have felt that um, our next step was to create the residency program. And in addition to that, Chris and I are both from Rockford. And Chris was actually one of the pioneer faculty when the campus opened in 2010. And I was a student in the third class here, so I got my degree here. And we're very proud to play a role in the education of future pharmacists in this community. But we really wanted to take it a step further and contribute not only to their education, but also to the professional development of pharmacists in our hometown. So in 2018, we began designing our ideal postgraduate training program here. And being that we are a small campus, we wanted to start small by focusing on just a single PGY-1 residency. That makes a lot of sense. And I think it's definitely great to see schools taking the initiative to help with the increasing demand of, of postgraduate opportunities. Um, and what a great place to, to host our residency site. So during your presentation, at the National Preceptors Conference, I think we were conversing a little bit about the structure of the program, and I was hoping we can explore that a little bit more. Um, so at the time, you had noted that you have about 12 clinical faculty that practice at eight different healthcare sites, and their resident has a rotation program that goes around for all their learning experiences. So can you walk us through what those sites look like and what the resident experience looks like? One of the unique aspects about our campus is the variety of clinical sites that we have um, occupied by our faculty. At the local hospitals and healthcare settings, we have uh, pharmacy representation within the critical care, uh, palliative pain management, infectious disease, general medicine wards, emergency room, 
as far as ambulatory care faculty, we have several clinics across the uh, greater Rockford area uh, specializing in HIV, infectious disease, again, pain management, psych, family medicine, chronic disease state management, and anticoagulation. So we were pulling from a number of uh, a very robust uh, and diverse clinical sites uh, to provide experiences for our residents. But with that being said, the practices are really ingrained and embedded in the community. So several of us bring our clinical practice skills and apply them when the need arises in that community. So for example, Chris was the leader of the entire COVID-19 immunization operation in Winnebago County last year. He worked closely with the county and National Guard members to mobilize manpower and services needed to provide organized immunizations to potentially more than 280,000 residents. I serve not only as a consult pharmacist at the Winnebago County Jail, but I'm also co-leading resident and student integration into an initiative that's called the Neighborhood Improvement Initiative. And this is where we have teams of residents and students providing monthly home visits to over 100 homes in the most underserved neighborhoods in Rockford. So with all these specializations within the clinic and also our community involvement, we make sure that our resident is is involved in all of these opportunities. So it sounds like they're really integrated within all the robust experiences and clinical opportunities that are available, um, which is really nice to see because they get some variety as well. At the same time, I can also see how it maybe is a little challenging to create a, a residency program that leverages all these different sites in all these different areas. So from an operational standpoint, can you talk to us about how you first developed the program and coordinated having one cohesive program uh, distributed between all these different sites and preceptors? When we sat down in the early development, it was we thought it'd be rather intuitive that we're just building on many of the experiences that we have for our fourth year students. And it should be pretty straightforward. One of the issues that kind of came back is unlike many of the, of the developed residency programs that are contained within one health system under one roof, so to speak, we have our preceptors and our faculty members at a variety of different health systems. So we had to figure out how to coordinate these experiences at different healthcare settings and different institutions, how we can coordinate this to give the experience to our resident and design these uh, learning experiences so we could you know, not only meet all the requirements of the PGY-1, but do it in a very efficient way that, you know, as they move from site to site, we maximize the experiences that they have. You know, and something else that we did when we were developing the program, once we realized it was a viable option, we reached out to ASHP to get some more expert guidance and advice. And it was pretty timely because... At that point in time, they were piloting the pre-candidate application review process or PARP program. So our first step in this was attending the 2019 ASHP National Pharmacy Preceptor Conference Residency Program Design and Conduct Session. And this really opened our eyes to the various requirements and documents needed for accreditation. And from there, we had a mentor that remained in constant communication with us as we were continuing to design the program She provided feedback and recommendations along the way. And with that, we were able to really design an optimal resident experience. 
I think it's good that you sought that guidance early on. So as you were designing the program, you had you had that close interaction and coaching from uh, from the group and attendance to the design and contact session. So we touched on this a little bit earlier when we were talking about the multiple clinical learning opportunities for the resident, but can you help describe what the program looks like from the resident perspective? So what kind of goals they have and how they progress throughout the program, um, you know, from day one to kind of the last day, how is the program structured for that resident? Yeah, so I'll start with the first half of the year. So the resident starts the year with orientation. This month is a little bit challenging because they're onboarding at numerous sites. Even if they're not doing their rotation immediately, they might be doing that rotation later in the year at that site, but we still make sure that they have that onboarding process done during orientation. It's necessary because we really want to ensure smooth transition between experiences. And the resident also spends a significant amount of time training for their staffing component during the orientation experience, which is essential for their success throughout the year. Immediately following that orientation, the resident will complete a block internal medicine rotation at the same health system as the staffing component. This facilitates their integration into the pharmacy team, allows them to network with other pharmacists in the system, and exposes the resident to various inpatient orders and the EMR. After that block rotation is when things get a little bit crazy because the resident begins their ambulatory care rotations. All of our faculty, as Chris said earlier, are in clinic different days, and it really didn't make sense to put the resident in the clinic for the entire week because they would miss the opportunity for the continuity with patients in a practice that really requires more time to see clinical outcomes. So this is a definite strength of our program. We'll talk a little bit more about how this may be um, caused some, some weaknesses as well that we've tried to overcome with our design. But Really, we make sure that their time in clinic with this design is seeing patients and not just busy work. So one of the downsides of this is the resident is at three to four sites each week, which some may enjoy and others may find this more daunting. After the kind of first block, the end of uh, November into December, December, we translate out of the patient care you know, minus the, the staffing component, uh, is really focused on research. It's focused on ASHP mid-year data collection, kind of making our last push to get that uninterrupted time during the month of December. Once January comes around, the resident spends a month at the drug information group at the UIC Chicago campus. We really like that, and we wanted to take advantage of it because it's a very, it's a very renowned drug information group in the opportunities and the experiences that they were able to provide. So we thought, you know, logistically, it might be a little bit harder to get the resident there, but it's worked out very well that we've been able to um, seamlessly have them go out there and do their drug information at that time. February through April is basically a repeat of what's going on in September through November. We're lining up the ambulatory care clinical experiences, again, trying to maximize and give the resident the most time with the patients so they can have this, you know, uh, very loaded patient experience. And as Nat was saying, less downtime. Uh, May and June, elective months. Uh, we have a variety of electives. One of the electives that we are very excited about 
is an advanced Amcare elective with one of the local physicians, uh, Dr. Carlson Dexter. It's at this rotation that, and the provider has worked uh, extensively uh, with Annette in the, pay, in the past at her clinic. And what we like about this is you're almost giving the resident, hey, here's your chance to see what it would be like to work in the Amcare setting with the provider one-on-one. So we think that's a very novel way of, uh, of kind of taking and solidifying the whole residency program and kind of wrapping it up into a nice, nice little, putting a bow on top, nice little present. It's nice that you've mapped the resident experience with obviously things like presenting a poster, doing their research, but also advancing their clinical skills as they go along. So they wrap up with almost an advanced practice experience, which is what you would expect the resident to perform at that those last few months. So it sounds like there is interdisciplinary aspects of this too, which is great. And since the program is new, I believe you noted that you were in your first or second year um, resident currently. So coming from those who have gone through the program, what has been the experience and the feedback you've received? Because it is a little different than what the traditional residency programs you would see at one health system or one hospital would be like. Um, So we'd love to hear what residents have had to say about their experiences. We've have both the residents that we've had so far and Annette and myself, along with the residency advisory committee, have been incredibly transparent telling the residents, look, we're starting out. And the only way that we're going to grow this program and make it good is we need your feedback. We have been lucky and fortunate to have two residents that have been very good about providing constructive feedback. Uh, Overall, incredibly positive. They really like the flexibility and autonomy that they get with the residency program here. They feel well supported. Since we only have one resident a year at this moment, they have a lot of one-on-one attention with the different members from the residency advisory uh, committee. So they have enough backup should they have questions. And again, we've made it uh, very central to their learning that we want their feedback. Doesn't matter what it is. That's what's gonna make the program grow. Yeah, we really view them as pioneers and innovators within our program and helping us to develop it. Um, As educators, we love giving feedback, but we also really love receiving it so that we can make positive changes. Our first resident, actually, Alex Thorpe, is currently an ambulatory care pharmacist at Theta Care. And our current resident, Erin Hunt, has accepted a fellowship offer with the University of Illinois College of Pharmacy Section of Infectious Diseases Pharmacotherapy. So we're very proud of their successes following our program, and we look forward to continuing to prepare pharmacists to embark on rewarding career journeys. That's great. And it also speaks to the robust breadth of opportunities you provide since, you know, both of those residents have chosen um, quite significantly different paths. Um, which is great to see. So with all these moving parts and the different coordination that takes place for your program to be successful, there must have been some challenges you potentially had to overcome. So for those of you who are listening and are interested um, to implement something similar, this is maybe uh, a a point to, to pay extra attention. Can you go through some of those logistical challenges that you had and how did you address them and any advice? Yeah, we definitely ran into challenges with this format. 
it does take some time for the resident to adjust to the schedule and requires a lot of communication. We have been super lucky, as we've said, to have very organized and adaptable residents, but we also had to make sure that the preceptors were in communication and we had to ensure that they weren't scheduling projects, student precepting, or presentations at the same time for the resident because being with three to four different preceptors throughout the week, they might have topic discussions or presentations scheduled and we didn't want that to stress the resident out and them to have too many deadlines at the same time. So how did we address that? We used our small campus to our advantage. We have close faculty relationships and we also used our simple outlook calendars so that we could align the resident deadlines and ensure that all the current preceptors were aware of the resident schedule. You know, and I guess another issue kind of to dovetail off that is, is patient follow-up. While we were really trying to maximize the amount of time that the resident had in the clinic, you know, be it one day a week, we had to really be cognizant of, you know, what stat labs, what labs needed follow-up that may have been ordered that day. After the day's activity in clinic, were there prior authorizations? And did they need to be completed the next day? So we had to make sure that at the end of the day, that the resident and the preceptors had a good sign-out system that was uh, in place to make sure that nothing involving patient care would have gotten dropped. You know, the other thing is, um, is since we have a number of moving targets in, in, the, in these variety of sites, we had to make sure that the residents were also kind of aware of the responsibilities they had uh, on certain days of the week. And they had to keep that in mind when they took vacation days, if, for instance, if there were conferences on Fridays, maybe they didn't want to start a vacation on Friday. Maybe they wanted to, you know, put it off the Monday, but kind of orchestrating it in a better way again. So certainly you want to give the residents their vacation time, you know, but again, we're trying to maximize their exposure to the different clinical scenarios and situations. And we wanted to maximize that too, without disrupting patient care. That makes a lot of sense, especially because the, the structure and the experience is so different from day to day and from month to month. Um, so taking account the residents' well-being and making those discussions and coordinations earlier is, is certainly helpful. So you certainly have an exciting year ahead of you with more to come and as your program grows. But before we conclude today's podcast, is there any final words of advice you'd like to share with those who might be um, pursuing similar opportunities in the future? Well, we were certainly lucky enough, our uh, regional dean, Kevin Wren, as well as the dean from the Chicago campus, uh, Glenn Schumach, really helped support us through this process. And they were, were backing us uh, 100% with any funding or anything else time uh, for conferences to, to get this established and get it, to go, get it going and see it to fruition. So we were really lucky to have good support from the top. We also had a very solid base of clinicians who were, you know, up for increasing their workload. You know, we're always asking clinicians, hey, can you take one more student? Can you do this? Well, here we're having a resident. And it was a little different challenge for them, but they welcome it. And, uh, you know, they were very supportive of the process too. So we have been lucky that we've had buy-in from all levels. And 
Dr. Kevin Rin, our vice dean, he also amended all of those faculty contracts to include precepting a resident. So this allowed us to create those resident rotations with the faculty without contractual restrictions. We feel very good about our program. We're very proud of it um, in the design and we're still celebrating our four-year accreditation, but some other words of advice we would give to future um, applicants would be applying for the ASHP Pharmacy Residency Expansion Grant. We did that and we were offered significant financial assistance for our first year. And also we would recommend reaching out to ASHP and requesting a mentor early. Completing the accreditation paperwork can be daunting. So having that help and guidance is definitely much needed in the beginning. And also it's helpful to complete that paperwork as you design the program so that you ensure all ducks are in a row. That way you're ready when it comes time for the accreditation visit. That's very important advice. I think getting the correct buy-in and the support internally and externally, and of course, touching base with our accreditation team, they're always happy to help and support you through the process. So I'm, I'm glad to see the success story and we look forward to seeing how your program uh, progresses and evolves. That is all the time we have for today. So I want to thank you both for coming on and sharing your experience with us and hopefully helping others in building multi-site PGA-1 programs. If you haven't before, for those listening, I encourage you to check out ASHP's educator resources and ASHP's um, residency resources for your program. You can find member-exclusive offerings such as the Preceptor Toolkit, the Research Resource Center, and also exchange ideas with your peers on ASHP Connect. Thank you again, everyone, for tuning in for this session of Educator Essentials. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation and be sure to subscribe to ASHP Podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP.